Masechet Ta'anit Daf Vav. We are going to focus on these words in the Mishnah. We were talking about until when do you say Mashiv Haruchmei Degeshem until the Bimeis uh, is end of Nisan, and he quoted a pasuk from Yoel. It said, "Bayodet Lachem Geshem More Umalkosh." This refers to the early rain and the late rain. We have the same thing in the Shema when he says, "Benatati Metad Arzichem Beaito Yore Umalkosh." Uh, the blessing, uh, the good consequence for following the mitzvot is to have rain at its at the right time, berito, the early rain and the late rain. And based on that, we mentioned that generally the early rain is in Cheshvan and the late rain is in Nisan. And that's what prompted the whole discussion of, well, how could you have Yorel Malkosh Barishon in Nisan? And so that um, there was a question that Rav Nachman, the Amora in Bavel, uh, asked to Rabbi Yitzchak when Rabbi Yitzchak came to visit him, Rabbi Yitzchak from Eretz Yisrael, student of Rabbi Yochanan. Adam Nachman, by the way, was married to the family of the exilarch. And so that's why he was very considered very, he was very wealthy, as we see from the end of the story. And so that's where we saw the series of uh, seven questions and answers between Rav Nachman and Rabbi Yitzchak. Uh, but now that we finished that, we go back to this idea of Yore Omalkosh, and we're going to define each of these terms. So here's an outline of what we're about to see. Uh, what is the meaning of Yore? What's the etymology and the etymology of the word Malkosh? Uh, you know, how the Eskimos have 30 words for snow. So the, the ancient, ancient farmers in Israel had many, many words for rain, and we'll learn that's two of them. Another one is the word Yore. And Yoreh, it's, uh, well, no, Yoreh is this one. Another word is, is uh, the word Revi'ah. Uh, we'll see what that means as well. Now, regarding Yoreh, the, that comes in three stages. We'll see three opinions about the three stages of that early rain, when, is, when that is exactly, and why does it matter what the three stages are, the meaning of Revi'ah. And then we'll end off with three contradictory statements about is morning rain good or bad? Is rain in Tevet good or bad? Is rain on half of a country? Is that considered a blessing or not? And finally, we'll end with a blessing that one says for rain after a drought. Okay, so what is the meaning of the word Okay, this is a folk etymology. It's not really what the word comes from, but just like the word Torah means to teach. So to Yore, we're deriving here, uh, the first rain teaches one. What does it teach us? Well, it's a warning. It says, you better, when the first rains, we better go replaster our roofs so we won't get leaks <laughs> the, now during the rainy season. Bring in the produce that's out drying in, uh, on the roof or in the field and do everything that you need to do before the rain comes. So it's a, it's a teacher. Or Yore from the word to moisten, uh, that it moistens the earth and waters all the way till the depths. That mentions that it, uh, the, the, the ridges will be watered. There you go. So that's the word Yore. And the third opinion, that it comes down gently and not vehemently. Okay, so all uh, good things about the Yore. So there's three, three derivations that the early Yore rain is good, but maybe not. 
או אינו יורה אלא שמשאיר את פירותיו, משטיף את הזרעים ומשטיף את האילנות. Maybe it's negative and it's called יורה because יורה also can mean like arrow when you shoot an arrow. It's called yore. Maybe it comes down and it causes the fruit, but any fruit that might be, that is still uh, left on the trees, it will cause to fall. And uh, seed, it will wash away. And trees, it will wash them away. And it's actually destructive force. That's why in, in Shaman's second paragraph, we say yore. So they're compared. So Malkosh means the rain, the rain at the end of the season is, is for a blessing. So to the early one is also for a blessing. So we're going to accept these derivations and not this last etymology. All right, is that true? Maybe Malkosh also is a negative type of rain and it causes houses to fall and destroys trees and brings locusts. Oh, therefore, it puts Malkosh next to Yore to say, just like Yore is a blessing, so to Malkosh is a blessing. Now we're in circular reasoning because we said, we know Yore is a blessing because next to Malkosh. We know Malkosh is a blessing because next to Yore. Okay, but you can't do that. Now we don't know anything. Um, that's what we were asking. How do we know that Yore itself is a, a reign of blessing? This is a, the, the Pasuk, all the way that we started with in the Mishnah, that we should be happy uh, from Hashem because He gave us Hamore. That's the Yore. That's the first uh, reign uh, in righteousness. And uh, brought down, brought down rain, more and malkosh uh, in the first month. So there you go. Yore is positive, and malkosh is also positive. And so now we know what uh, we know what, uh, that yore is a good thing. Okay, tenora banan. This is a brayta that we had already seen uh, on the beginning of yesterday's daf. Yore malkosh The best time for the first rain is in cheshvan, and the best time for the last rain is in nisan. This is the typical format of Midrash Halacha, that you state a hypothesis, and then you question it, and then you give an answer, uh, proving the original hypothesis. So now the question is, how do you know it's in Cheshvan, how do you know it's Cheshvan and Nisan? Maybe it's, uh, maybe a good rain, maybe the first rain starts even earlier, a month before, and maybe the last rain starts a month after Nisan, in Niyar. How do you know? Well, it says, also says, I'm going to give you the rain in the right time, meaning it's the best time. It's true. Sometimes it could rain in Tishrei. Sometimes it rains all the way to Iyad. But the best rain is if it starts in Cheshvan and ends in Nisan. So that's what it refers to. Okay, good. So now that we know the meaning of Yore, what's the meaning of Malkosh? Malkosh. Another kind of folk etymology. We're splitting into two. Mal kosh. Mal is to uh, circumcise, to cut out, so, cut off something um, that you don't want there. And kashut meaning the stubbornness of the Jewish people. Um, because uh, when, uh, how so, if it doesn't rain and uh, when we need it, then we turn to prayer and repentance and that. Uh, will remove any stubbornness that we have. Also splitting it into two words, that it fills up the stalk, uh, it f- fills out the stalk. Before that, 
um, you have just the stalk rows, and then in that because of that last rain, it fills up with grain. So we rely on it. Also, saying mal is like the melilot. Uh, that's the ears, the um, where the where the where the grain actually is, and the kashin is the stalks. So water. This is uh, rain that falls on that fully grown, or causes it to uh, fully grow and fill out. Uh, that's the late rain. Okay, tenora banan. We're going to quote this braita once again. And but this is a little different version of it. And here we ask, how do you know that the the first rain is in Cheshvan? Maybe it's a month later in Kislev, and that's considered the first rain. No, the, the Pasuk says, at the right time. So it has to be that the best time, the best time is Cheshvan. Um, just so my question, at the, at the best time, is at the best time, which is Cheshvan. And Nisan, after Nisan, that's it. It's not even considered a Beracha anymore if it falls so late. This last line is not found in um, any manuscript. Here you see it here. Um, the top three lines, I know it's small. The top three lines are all the printed editions, but you see that they are, it is not found in any manuscript. These are other words. Okay, even this entire baraita is not found in some manuscripts because this whole thing is doubled. So there's a lot of uh, interesting things going on here. Seems that last line is just brought in, borrowed, copied from somewhere else. Okay, and even the, in the regular printed editions, in the in modern printed editions, this, this, this last line is in parentheses. Um, the last editors take it out. Uh, she has some comments also about the Gita here. Okay, so that's, uh, as I explained, the doubling of this Baraita. Uh, now we get to the, um, we're going to get to the three stages of Yore. And here we go. Tanya Idach. Okay, related to what we just said, there is another Braita. We kept on quoting the one that says the early rain is Cheshvan, the late ones in Nisan, and that's the Bimeir's opinion. But Chachamim do say that the early rain is actually Kislev. All right, well, who is this Chachamim? Who is this mysterious uh, anonymous sages? Man chachamim, amar avchista, rebi yosehi. It is going to be rebi yoseh. Detanya, ezohi rebi arishona. Habechira bishlosha b'mar chashvan benonit b'shiv'a bo, afila b'shiv'a asar bo. So now we introduce a new, a new term, rebi'a, which is another word for rain that we're going to define later. And this itself is, uh, uh, this is talking about the three stages of that first rain, that yoreh, uh, falls in three stages, and so this, we just saw the first opinion of Bimeir that says the three stages of Yoreh are in Cheshvan, 3, 7, and 17. We'll see in a minute why why we need to know these three stages. And so we see the next opinions is Biuda says seven, seventeen, and twenty-three. The Biyoseh pushes it forward again, seventeen, twenty-three. 
and the first of Kislev. And this was this is important, this first of Kislev. That's to be Yosef. He says that we when do we start uh, uh, fasting if rain doesn't come? Well, we start fasting if it doesn't come by the third stage. So according to Rabbi Yosef, the third stage of this Rebi'ah is Rosh Chodesh Kislev. So according to him, we would start fasting if Rosh Chodesh Kislev arrived and rain still did not come. Okay, and this was all an answer to who is Chachamim? Chachamim say that Yoreh is in Kislev. Well, the other two opinions say that the three stages of Yoreh are all in Cheshvan. Only Rabbi Yosef says that the last stage of Yoreh is in fact in Kislev. So you see that the first opinion is Rabbi Meir. Chachamim is Rabbi Yosef. Good. Um, uh, from all these opinions, that is the halacha, meaning uh, when, when would you start fasting? It would be in, uh, if, if Kislev arrives and it doesn't start raining. Okay, that's one thing Rav Chista said. However, Amemar quoted Rav Chista saying something in a little bit different. He quoted him saying, He said, he quoted him as, as quoting this, but I that says, when do we start asking for rain? When do we start saying, um, on the third of Cheshvan? And Rabban Gamliel says, on the seventh. And Rav Chista says, yes, is like Rabban Gamliel, which will be on the seventh. Now, this is curious because if Rav Chista said both of these and assuming that the first stage is when you would start asking for rain, well, the first stage, according to him, is the 17th. So if he says Rabbi Yoseh, if Rav Chista first said, Halakha is like Rabbi Yoseh, which sounds like you're expecting the first rain on the 17th. And then the next version of Rav Chista says, you should start asking on the 7th. And that indicates he's following Rabbi Yehuda. So this is strange. These two statements actually... Uh, Rav Chista says like and then he says something that sounds like he wants to say like they actually contradict each other so what do we do with this so here we can look at manuscripts again uh, for help most of the manuscripts in the first statement say Rav Chista says like however there is this Oxford 366 that has Rabbi Yehuda here instead and that would solve the question except there's only one manuscript uh, Rashi suggests this as well. So that's a little bit more support. Um, but if we don't want to go with this minority of manuscripts, the other way to resolve it is to say that even though halakha is like Rabbi Yoseh, um, that we expect the first rain to be on the 17th, nevertheless, we still might start asking for rain even several days before on the 7th. And so may, maybe these are not, in fact, contradictory. All right, now that we have all these three opinions, we're going to test them out. Who would be the author of the following Braita that if it rains for seven days in a row, then you can count that as the first, second, and third rains? Well, actually, that wouldn't be anybody because nobody here. Uh, all, all of these dates are more than seven apart, uh, all three, three to the 17th, seven to the 13th, or 17th to the first. So that wouldn't work according to anybody. The way you have to explain this is, um, if it rains three days in a row, according to whom can you count that for the first and second, or the second and third? And there are two manuscripts, in fact, that add two words here. Ben Riviadi Shona Ushniya, or Shiniya Ushlishit. 
Okay, so according to whom can seven days in a row cover the, either the first two rains or the second two rains? Well, we see here, and it be, uh, according to Bimeir, three to seven is a short time, but seven to 17 is more than 10 days. And Biyuda also, seven to 17 is more than 10 days. According to the Biyose, 17 to 23 is seven days, and 23 to Kislev is also seven days. All right, we're cheating a little. It's really eight days. But um, maybe if it starts raining in the middle of the day, and then seven days more to the middle of Kislev, Kislev 1, so the Biyose uh, would agree this would, would agree with this, but I says again, yes, halacha is in fact like Rabbi Yose. Now, Bishlama, Rabbi Adi Anot, Thank you for telling me all these three stages of the first rain. Why do I need to know it? Well, the first one is regarding Lishol. Whenever you say this, the, we expect the first rain. That presumably is when you would start asking for rain and the ninth berachah amida. The third one is for fasting. If the third stage comes and it didn't start raining, then you would have to start fasting. So according to the Biuda, you would start fasting on the 23rd. According to Biyudah, you start fasting on the 1st of Kislev. But what about the middle stage, 7, 17, or 23? What is that for? What, what, what halachic significance would that be? Shania lemai. And now we're going to have about four different answers about that middle stage. Amar Rabbi Zera, he's number one. Lindarim, regarding vows, if someone makes a vow that I am not going to uh, come to your house until it rains, um, or at, uh, uh, or when it rains. Um, so when is it considered the beginning rain, the beginning of the rain? It's the second rain. The first rain is just uh, preparing the way. You don't say that this is really the, the official first rain until the second time it rains. So if you make a vow in that regard, then it would be till, 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 till then. Uh, this is quoting a Mishnah. There is actually a Mishnah that, that uh, relates this to rentals. Uh, if I say, I'll, I'm going to rent, you can rent my house until the first rain. After the first rain, I want my house back. I want, I want to move back in, right? So then you can keep it till the second rain. Okay, so that's one reason why you'd need to know it. It's regarding harvesting olives. The Mishnah asks, when is everyone allowed to go and take from the Usually, the, the poor people have first rights to these. Um, a, a couple of gleanings that fell, if you forgot a sheave out in, out in the field or the corner of the field, the poor people can go and they can take all those things. However, at some point, the poor people took everything. And what if just a regular, not poor person, is passing by and wants to take something? At what point are they allowed to? At what point do the poor people give up on it and consider it hefked? And the answer is when the searchers uh, go through it, like the, you know, the last stragglers of the poor people who, who go slow, when they went through the field and that's it, they took everything they wanted, everything else is hefker. Uh, and uh, that's regarding those three. How about regarding these two laws? This is about grapes that are very small or clusters of grapes that are, um, uh, 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 sorry, single grape or a cluster of grape that's small, irregular, that also belongs to the poor. Um, but once the poor people come to the vineyard and they come back again and they took everything they wanted, anything left over, uh, anyone can take. And this is what we need. 
And regarding olives, once the second rain comes, then we can assume the poor people took whatever they wanted and everything else is uh, permitted for everyone else to take. So that's why you need to know when is the second rain. Okay, so that was answer number two. Uh, just a tangent regarding that, that word, what does it mean? One, one opinion is that it's our elders who walk with a staff. Because they're walking so slowly through the field, they see very every little thing. The other, the younger poor people, they go faster because they want to get to the next field. And so um, only the poor person sees even that little thing that someone dropped um, will we'll pick it up. So once they go through, then you could be sure that the poor people are done with it. He says, says, it's gleaners after gleaners. Like you might have two poor people, uh, father and son go, and the father come, takes things first, and then the son, hey, you, you, you find anything that I, that I missed. Once you have that two passes, then you can be sure the poor people were satisfied and got what they needed, and anything else as open to all. Okay, third interpretation, third reason why we would need to know when the second rain is. Uh, there's a law that um, I'm allowed to take a short, well, people are allowed to take shortcuts. I want to get, I want to get to the next uh, town over. I can take a shortcut through your field during the summer because during the summer, there's nothing in your field anyway, so I can go through. However, once you start planting and it starts raining a little, meaning the second rain, then already, um, you need, you need, you, you, it's, it's not fair to you for people to come and trample on your seeds and, and you know, through the mud because it's going to ruin the crop. So that's why we need to know as soon as the second rain comes, that's when we are, uh, one is not allowed to take shortcuts through other people's fields. And the fourth, uh, fourth reason why we need to know the second rain is um, to know when we have to remove and destroy the fruits of Shevi'it, Ditnan, Shevi'it is that anything that grows on its own, I'm allowed to take some of it and keep it in my house, and I can use it uh, in a non-commercial way until there's no more left in the field. Once there's no more left, I have to remove everything that's in my house and I can't use it. So when is the time for making use of straw and hay? Until the second rain, because you assume that until the second rain, then there's there's still out in the field. Once the second rain comes, the fields get all muddy and there's nothing else left in the field for the animals to eat. And therefore, what I have stored in my house, I also have to get rid of. Pasuk says, um, uh, for your cattle and beasts in your field, everything should be for food during the Shavit year. Everything's open to all people and animals. So as long as the animals are eating in the field, uh, you can take some into your house. But once there's nothing else in the field, and after the second rain, there's no more nothing else in the field, then you can't use what you have in your house either. All right. So we got all four explanations of why we need the middle stage. And now last question, this word, Revi'ah. What does it mean? What's the etymology? Revi'ah, et ha'karka. 
This is something that penetrates the earth. The rain comes down and penetrates the earth. You may, may know this word, ribi'ah, because it's found in uh, regarding sexual relations, like ishash tikrab el ota. Uh, to uh, a woman approaches a beast to have relations with it. So the word um, means uh, means uh, uh, relations. Uh, so we have an analogy. It's going to come up a few times now that the rain is considered like uh, the male seed that goes into the earth. The earth is like a womb and it grows the, the fruit, the fruit and the grain, and then it uh, gives, gives it forth and it's born. Uh, so there's a lot of, uh, all, all throughout the Talmud, uh, a lot of analogies uh, in that way. So Rebi'ah here would uh, mean, um, uh, 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 would mean uh, the rain penetrating the earth. And the proof for that is uh, Rabbi Yudah said that rain is like the husband of the earth and the earth is like Mother Earth. Uh, Yeshua says, for as rain comes down and snow from heaven and returns not there, the rain doesn't go back up, except it waters the earth and makes it give birth and sprout. So this idea is imagery of giving birth uh, is, is exact, and Yeshaya is exactly the same. Um, uh, imagery as a husband and uh, uh, husband and wife. Good. Uh, the first riviit um, has to be when you consider it enough of rain to be called the first riviit enough that it goes down into the ground one tefach has to make the the first topsoil uh, wet and the second one has to get has to make it really muddy muddy enough that you could take that mud and seal the barrel, seal a barrel with it. Uh, when they had barrels of wine, they would seal it with mud. So it has to be that consistency. Chista says that if it rains enough, uh, that it will, it will create a, a mud on the earth, mud that is, uh, that is uh, sufficient to use to seal up a barrel, that is not considered ve'asad, right? The pasuk in Shema says ve'chara af Hashem. If uh, we don't uh, follow the misvot, Hashem gang, he will asad et Hashemayim ve'lo yematad. Hashem will close up the heavens and there will not be rain. So that would be the curse. As long as you reach that threshold of, of getting enough rain that it creates mud at that, uh, that consistency, then you know you have blessing. Less than that, it's 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 a little too little rain, and that's part of the curse. Ve'amad av chistad. Av chistad has a lot of things to say about rain. Geshamim she'adu kodem ve'asar and bahem mishum ve'asar. This is a kind of um, uh, play on words or mnemonic. Um, he says that if rain falls before the time of day when you say shema and you say the word asar. That is not uh, that is not a um, rain of curse of Assad. In other words, when rain falls early in the day, it's positive. It's a blessing. If it falls later, then it's uh, it's not. Abaye qualifies what Abhista says. Abhista is in the third generation, Abaye is in the fourth generation. So he's explaining 
that this is true. When do we say that it's a blessing when it falls early? That's only before the Vasada that we say at night. We say Shema twice at night and in the morning. So if it falls early in the evening before you say Shema, that's what, when, it's, when he says it's a blessing. But if it doesn't fall at night and falls in the early morning before you say Shema of the day, then that is considered part of the curse of not having enough rain. Why? Rav Yudah said, clouds in the morning have no substance. You ever, you know, wake up and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's some clouds in the sky early, early in the morning. And then after an hour or two, they go away. Early clouds don't produce much rain. When he's saying something uh, negative, about Ephraim and Yehuda, he says, your goodness is like a morning cloud. It's here just for a little while and then goes away. So morning, early morning rain is not a blessing. Only nighttime rain is a blessing. Good. And now we get to the next generation. And the fifth generation tells Abaye, his teacher, hold on, we have, there's a common folk saying that says the opposite of what you said. I'm sure you're all familiar with this folk saying. Uh, it must be very popular. Um, it says, when the gates are opened, meaning when there's rain, when the gates of rain open in the, and there's rain in the morning, then we tell the donkey driver, Hamad, right? go fold your sack. In other words, it's gonna, if it's raining in the morning, it's going to rain all day and the roads are going to be muddy and you're not going to be able to travel with your donkey. So you may as well just go back to sleep and rest. Meaning that rain in the morning is a sign of lots of rain to come. And that's a positive thing. And you just said that rain in the morning is nothing. It's even a, a curse because it's so little. So which one is it? This is curious that he's asking a question on his rabbi from a folk saying, but you know, these donkey drivers, they know the weather. So we answer, uh, one is talking about the papas, uh, uh, when who said um, it's a negative, is when uh, in the morning there are heavy clouds. And so we can see lots of rain is going to come. But Avchista, when he said it's negative, he was talking about little light clouds that have just a small drizzle in the morning and then it clears up. That is a negative thing. Okay, so um, that was our first contradiction. Um, and so we're going to see two more. So we said, is morning rain a blessing? Well, if it's a lot, then it's good. If it's a little, then it's bad. And now we'll see the one regarding Tevet. And next, if uh, rain falls on half of a country. Okay, here we are. Marav Yehuda. It's good when you have a year that the month of Tevet is a widower. Well, what do you mean a widower when it has no rainfall? Uh, so you see another uh, kind of uh, uh, comparing uh, the the earth to uh, to a marriage, right? When it has when it has no rain, that that tevet is is good. So it's good if it doesn't rain in tevet. And now why? Why is it good? Some say so that the gardens will not become desolate. That if you have, you have, you know, you don't have too much rain, so then you can go tend to your garden and it won't ruin the vegetables. Others say that this is, um, uh, this uh, garden is actually referring to the yeshivot, 
that if it doesn't rain so much, people can still come to the yeshiva. And so the yeshivot are not desolate. Um, if it doesn't rain in Tevet, then it's, uh, it, you won't have too much rain and suffer blight because of the excessive rain. So in other words, we want it to rain in Cheshvan, but not in Tevet. Okay, now, now the contradiction. It's good if you have a year when Tevet makes everything disgusting, disgusting from mud. Or if you have a lot of rain in Tevet and everything's really muddy and it's a mess, it's true it's a mess, but it's going to get muddy shoes all over your house, doesn't, but it doesn't matter. It's good for uh, the crops. So which one is it? Is it bad? Is rain in Tevet bad or good? Depends. If you had rain, rain beforehand in Cheshvan and then it doesn't rain in Tevet, that's good because you got your early rain in and that made the ground prepared. But if you didn't get any rain before in Cheshvan and it also doesn't rain in Tevet, that's not good at all. If you have rain that falls on half of a country and the other half that gets no rain, that is not um, uh, uh, that is not part of ve'atzar. Um, uh, it's uh, it's not a it's not a curse, meaning it's okay. Hold on. We hold on. We have a pasuk in Amos that says, as a part of a curse, I'm going to withhold rain from you uh, three months before the harvest. I'm going to cause it to rain on one city and not on another city. One piece will have rain and one piece will, 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 will not have rain. And Avudah said about that, that it's a curse for both areas. So which one is it? is having area that's half rain and half not rain. First you said it's not a curse, and then you said it is a curse. No, it depends. If you get too much rain on one part and no rain on the other, then it's a curse for both, right? So you want to have even rain. If you take all the rain that was supposed to be here, they get no rain, and take that and put it on somewhere else, and they get double rain, bad for both. Too much rain is also bad for crops. So that's what we meant when it was something bad. But if you, if half the half the land gets appropriate good rain, so they'll grow. And the one that doesn't have rain, well, at least they'll be, they can go to the other side and buy grain from them. And so that is, uh, that is not a curse. He doesn't actually say it's a blessing. He just said it's not a curse. And so, you know what? Actually, you can derive this from the Pasuk itself. The Pasuk says, was rained upon, meaning it's all uh, filled with rain and water, um, meaning it, they got too much more than they need. And that's why it was a curse. And uh, last, part, last part of the uh, 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 last issue for today is what blessing do you say after it rains, uh, when it rains after there is a drought? When do we say a special blessing about rain? When, once again, we see the same analogy, when the groom comes out to meet the bride. Uh, the groom, meaning the rain, uh, is falling, and the bride, the earth, or the puddles, it's already, it's already puddles on the earth, and they comes to greet them. 
the Rishonim explained the imagery kind of like in this picture, right? That when you already have puddles on the floor and the rain comes down, then the, the rain uh, 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 drops in the puddle and causes and then bounces back up. And so it bounces back up. That's like the Kala coming to greet the Hatan who's, uh, who's coming down. Uh, okay, so beautiful imagery. And so, in other words, when it gets to that level of rain, after, uh, after a drought, we say the following blessing. We feel grateful for every single drop that you have brought down for us. If our mouth was full of song like the sea and our tongue was full of joy like the waves. This is perfect. This is from Nishmat that we say on Shabbat and it compares praise to water. So that's a perfectly appropriate praise. Ad, ad, and so you say you have not you have not left us um, uh, uh, you have not forsaken us uh, with your from from your mercy um, and in fact you have not forsaken us and we end um, blessed you who are abundant and to whom uh, abundant thanksgiving are offered and we ask a question on that on that uh, formulation, are we only uh, thankful for uh, most of the uh, most of the blessings, but not all? Now, the truth is, rov could mean the the many, the many. Uh, you are worthy of many thanksgiving um, thanksgivings, but nevertheless, rov could also mean majority. What about what? How about not? How come not all? Not all of our thanks should go to Hashem. Amadava emat el says you're right. We should say God, who is worthy of thanksgiving. Uh, papa says a few times in Shas when there's a machloket and says, Should you say this? Or he says, that. Should you say, or, or should you say, it's machloket. The papa says, Say both of them. And that's in fact what we do. And here also we say, And we say both. And we feel so thankful. And you can just imagine what it was like back then to be a farmer and uh, note every different type of rain. And that's why I have so many words for, for the rain because their very lives were dependent on it. And uh, for that reason, uh, they felt so grateful when, when it did in fact rain. Amen.